Emergence, Diversity and Collective Exchange podcast, where we're going to talk about all things diversity and toxicity. I didn't say that right. and But you know what I'm talking about. Toxic behavior. I'm educated. I'm a professor in college. I am Will, one of the three Divergents, and you can find me on the social medias under Halfling Wizard. If you're on the TikToks, you can find me under Will on the Facebooks and various other socials. Uh, and I'm going to let my co-hosts introduce themselves now. We love to see it. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the dulcet tones of Mikey, one of the other divergents here on this podcast. You can follow me on my personal socials at Pop Culture Geek or Vibe Tribe Productions. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. We're going to talk about some really amazing stuff, and I'm going to pass it on to my other co-host. Saludos, programas, and welcome. I am the Nerdy Puerto Rican. You can find me on YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, and TikTok at the Nerdy Puerto Rican. And I am Divergent Numero Tres. And I am here to talk about the things. Yes. And I want to say, first of all, I love the fact that you guys speak Spanish. I think that's fantastic. We're a very diverse group here. I speak no foreign languages. I speak white man, and that's about it. <laughs> and so it just I'm so impressed by people who speak other languages. So I just love when you guys speak. It's, I just love it. It's fantastic. So, Ooh, claro que sí. See, I don't know anything. That's not true. I do know some things, but nothing. Not really. If I was dropped off in the middle of a Spanish-speaking country, I'd be screwed. Truly. Banyo, I know bathroom. That's half the battle then. (laughs) That is fair. That is fair. All right. (laughs) So back to important things. So today we're going to talk about sort of representation and and if it was important to you to have representation either. And we're most of us are gamers. So we, we talk in terms of like tabletop role play games or video games or other sort of gaming areas but this sort of topic goes across all everything really this idea of television movies anime that's any type of things like that was when you were first getting into these things and I'm talking mostly for me through TTRPGs was representation important to you when you first started uh, any of those things. And I'm going to let my co-hosts begin because they have a lot to say. Indeed. You should hear us before we are recording. They have a lot. I would just to say that this is a topic that is brought up by a YouTuber by the name of RPG Elite. He is a African-American gamer, tabletop gamer, who has a, a YouTube channel. And he. this question specifically is from his one episode of the lie of racial representation in tabletop RPGs. He's a very, he's a very intelligent man, very well spoken. He makes a bunch of great, great points. If you ever get a chance to go see his content, please go check him out. Not only does he do racial and representation content, but he actually, he actually also does tabletop content as well. That's great. But yeah, the, the, so the question that he posed at the end of this episode was, when you started this, it the question that he specifically said, when you first started playing tabletop RPGs, how was representation an important thing to you? 
And as Will said, I feel that can this question can be expanded to the whole pop culture geist. Ooh, I said a big word. Yeah, I know. I love it. it. The zeitgeist. Uh, But so I'm going to start and because I've been thinking, I've been thinking about this all day, man. It's been like just cranking away in my head and cranking away in my head. And I have to honestly say that when I first started playing, that representation wasn't important. At least to me, it wasn't important. What was important was that it was a escape. It was a fantasy escape. It got to be the hero. I got to be in this fantasy setting with dragons and these larger than uh, things. And growing up, my all my formative years, I was quite the outlier. And my nerddom and also my Puerto Ricanness, I really had to temper down because of the situation that I was in. But when that initial that first time that I, I saw my brothers playing Dungeons and Dragons. And then that first time that I picked up the advanced D book and I looked at it and I saw the dice. I was just I wasn't thinking to myself. And mind you, this was six year old Adolfo. I think. Yeah. I wasn't thinking, are Hispanics represented in this? Are the Taino people represented in this? What's, how am I going to find myself? How am I going to find myself in this? I did just, I found myself. I, my first character was a half elf and that's how I found myself. And I injected myself in that story. And I, and that's what it was. It was the escape from all the crap that was going on around me and i could be that hero that i saw on the tv i could be that hero that i read in the books and that to me was and it was a place that i could just let my imagination run wild and the whole for me being an elder statesman in the nerddom as we are william (laughs) (laughs) quite Quiet, quiet, quiet. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 45. So like, oh, you're still young. When I started my nerdum journey, I that was that whole thing of representation, the way that it's it has been built up was to me not a thing. It wasn't until later on when I started getting into adult into adult Adolfo life, adult nerdy Puerto Rican life that i had learned about racial prejudices and i had learned about all that that's when all of that got introduced into mm-hmm. the into the picture so and you're, you're you're considered gen x are you in that okay i couldn't remember if you were in that i didn't know if you were in that because gen xers and this by no means this is an excuse by any means but in gen xers we didn't care it was like, right. we just wanted to watch, we just wanted to watch cartoons and yeah. whatever it was is what it was. We were playing games. We were just playing yeah. ourselves and we didn't, and it's when you're younger, because I remember when I was younger, like for instance, growing up, my best friend is, was Hispanic, Hispanic and Native American. His parents were mixed and like we were best buds to this very day. He's like my brother. And so 
I never, I never really thought of that. And you're right. It isn't until we were much older, and we became when the I. It's hard to what I'm trying to say. I don't want to say indoctrination because that's not the right word. But when we were educated on the ideas of representation or misrepresentation or stereotypes. Because there were, and we will, I will not lie, back in the 1980s and all that, there were tons of stereotyped characters. And and I'll bring one of them up because it just popped in my, my, is Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah. Boy, when I was a kid, I was like, I love that character. What a great, fun role character that was. Yeah. Now I grow up and go, yeah, no, that yep. was extremely racist and stereotypical. And, but it wasn't until I was adult when my innocence was taken from me. Because kids, for the most part, are not born that way. They're taught to be that way. And, and I'm going to loop it back around to what you were talking about. Is And I'll talk about my experience real quick. I'm going to talk about getting involved in TTRBGs and representation. And I am a gay man, a white gay man. And representation to me in TTRPGs was... A scary thing. Because you know, I grew up in a time where if you were gay, that you could die. So representation, to me, was like, I don't want it. I don't want... And if you look at, from the very beginnings of D&D, for instance, elves were always the effeminate characters. I stayed as far away from elves as I possibly could. Because of that... Because of that, I didn't want to be associated with that because I knew to watch the news, you hear the things. If someone was like, oh, I think he might be on the little on the light and the loafer side. So the next thing you know, you're getting your ass kicked. If not worse, yeah. your death. And I think it's but now today, I think it's extremely important that LGBTQIA folks have that representation. But what I'm what my thing is they create that representation. We take an elf and we make them the gayest thing in the world if we want to. We take a dwarf and make them a trans character. We're we have a disability, we take an orc and make them handicapped, like they're in a wheelchair. We create our representation. Because my very first character was a halfling wizard, hence my title. And I always tell people that D&D is a great place because usually you make these ideal versions of yourself. I was trying to make a character that was absolutely not me because I was hiding. I wanted a character that would be absolutely no one would look at and go, I think he might be a little on the side. No, I made a character that was completely what I thought society wanted me to be. So it was this straight character who had a wife and kids and all this thing. And it was, it was a great character. He's still alive today. I still use him and things changed a lot since then. But now it's, yeah, it's the idea that representation was really, for me, was dangerous. And now it's one of those things where I'm very much, I push people. So look, you build a character how you want to build it. If you want to represent yourself, it's important, but you have to be the representation. That's why I love the video. And we're going to, we're going to drop that, the link to that YouTube in the description and everybody should go watch it. It's really great because, and he, he talks about the representation has always been there. You just have to look for it. And then he went through some examples and he shows some examples of African or he calls themselves Negroes. And I'm going to 
honor what he would like. He said there's Negro representation in D&D. And he points out several examples. And I, the funny thing is I never notice it. Because I always look, and this is the sad thing, is I always look for the characters that look like me. Right. And I think that is on us, honestly, to a point. That we are not looking for the representation. We're not looking for the diversity. We're looking for ourselves. I'm not looking for the Hispanic or the Negro or the Chinese. or I'm not looking for any of those. I'm literally looking for the what race? The white people. (laughs) Right. Sad to say. Because... By no means would I ever want, never have I ever, nor would I ever play another, like, real-life race character. Because, one, I don't know what the hell I'd be talking about. So my experience in the idea of representation, to go back to our point, is that, for me, it was a dangerous thing. So I was not looking for that representation when I first went in. Now, and But it did, D&D did help me come into terms with who I am. It allowed me, eventually, my character started to gain these attributes as I got, as it, the game made me braver. Yeah. Okay, I'll stop talking now, and we'll let Mikey talk a little bit, because <laughs> I can talk all night. Nah, it's all good. And <laughs> we're here to learn, and I think that's the important bit, and that's the point of this podcast, is not just for the audience, but for us hosts, to learn a little bit more about each other. So, hi there. This is the young one of the group. <laughs> Sitting at a good old age at the time of this recording, at a good old 29 years old. <laughs> I'll be 29 again. Tell me about it. <laughs> as, long as, I can, as long as I can know what I know now, I would be 29 like that. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm happy where I'm at. No, yeah. It, it, that's a different topic. Okay, so I was a little late to the TTRPG like life. I've only really been involved in it the last three years, and that was mostly because of this thing called the pandemic where everybody was in lockdown for a little bit. So in order to alleviate for me, strangling my family members that we were all stuck together for those year or two, love it to death. We all grew stronger, but at the same time, I'm just like, I need something because I'm about to strangle somebody. And so I discovered TTRPG, but as far as representation goes to Will's point, I didn't really truly understand what that meant until I became an adult when I graduated high school and then I went off to college and experienced college life and people from all walks of life. So I was a child growing up in the 90s. And to say the least that the Latino representation during the 90s was little to non-existent, especially for like good representation, not the stereotypical ones that I was used to seeing. So interestingly enough, my representation and what I identified with as a kid And I've said this on multiple occasions, but I was I identified with a lot of the African-American community when I was growing up elementary, middle and high school, because that's all I saw because I didn't see anybody brown. So the next best thing in my head was I'm going to support my African-American peoples. And that was a lot of the representation I saw through my cartoons, like some of my favorite characters, like across the board, like. On the Rugrats, my favorite character growing up was Susie Carmichael. She was a black woman. Her parents were amazing. By the way, shout out to her voice actress. Cree Summers is one of my favorite voice actresses, period. Love her. She is great. Yeah, Susie Carmichael, a codename Kids Next Door on Cartoon Network. My favorite character was number five. She was like also voiced by Cree Summers. She was the black girl and she was cool, but she was very intelligent and it was so fun to watch. Um, And then 
as I got older too, like I started identifying with a lot of in the comic books again, because I didn't see a lot of representation of Brown. I ended up falling more in love with the female superheroes. Like some of my favorite female superheroes are Wonder Woman and Zantana from the DC comics and more recent iterations like Spider Gwen from Marvel. And then just falling in love because I didn't have that representation. So I was identified with the African-American and the female community as well, my women in my life, because a lot of it mirrored because I thought strong women were cool because that's essentially getting a little personal here. That's how my mom is. She's your very typical, short, loud Mexican mom. Like love, she'll agree with me. Like as much headaches as she gave me, she was my inspiration because she's independent. She's very strong and she fights for what is right. And so that's what I tried to look for when I was growing up. And it wasn't until I went to university that I started to understand, at least for me, not only how important representation is and what that is, you know, what that means, but it was also because given the fact that I am still fairly young, even though I'm about to be 30 in a couple of months, just the way and my experiences with the way that I interacted with the world has been completely different than say how Will or Adolfo interacted with the world at the young 20 year old stage of life, because society was a whole lot different too. And history doesn't repeat itself, but it tends to echo a whole damn lot throughout the ages in some form or another. And so it wasn't until I started seeing, and this might, some people might not like this, but it wasn't until I started seeing all the injustices that were going on across all the communities where that kind of made me start to research and to be more educated on all these things. Because growing up with that lack of representation, I grew up within other communities because that's what I identified as. And then as I got older, I realized that if I'm going to be a part of these communities, despite my skin color, I need to be educated on all the facts and all the things that are going on. So my representation comes from my soapbox that I always get on. Is that it's all about a conversation for me. And I always want to make sure that when I'm talking about something or issues of a different ethnicity or race or marginalized group, I want to do my due diligence and do research the facts, talk to people before I say anything, because I don't want to be talking out of my ass, so to speak. But my representation is very important to me. And I feel that now I want to say this. According to everybody, I am categorized as a millennial. I will gladly take and run with that. Whatever. But the bad rap that we get that we constantly complain or we're too involved in caring about what happens to other people in marginalized group. I was like, of course we have to. I was like, you're just mad because the younger folks are starting to get tired of all the crap that's going on in the world and we want actual change for it. I was like, it's not that bad to ask for a little something. It's just you're just mad because all the years of keeping everybody underneath your thumb is starting to give way a little bit and people aren't going to take your shit no more. That's a whole different, that's a whole different topic. Yeah. I, yeah. Whole different topic for another show. Another episode. Exactly. (laughs) But it's growing up. I was the youngest. I had a very, I had a very different experience than my older brothers and my older sister and my parents had. We, we moved from Puerto Rico to Acton, Massachusetts which is right smack in the middle of Irish, Italian, 
Massachusetts. Wow. There, there were no, there, there weren't even any African Americans when it came to the wow. colored folk. We were the colored folk, and growing up, my I have two older brothers and older sister, and they had horrible issues because English is their second language, and same thing with my parents. English was their second language, and because of that, they really forced me to speak and learn English. So that's why now when I speak, if I speak Spanish, most Spanish speakers, they'll hear that my accent is off, but that it, that that's why, because to me, I was forced to learn English and have that pretty much become my first language. But the reason I bring this up is because as a small kid, I was a really big comic book fan, really big tabletop fan, cartoon fan. And the comic book character that I saw myself the most in was Wolverine. And that is because I got in fights all the time because I had to, because people looking back now, I guess it is because I was the minority. So all these people kept stepping up and I constantly had to fight and I constantly had to like fight fucked up fights. Like the, there was a, there were five neighborhood kids that would beat on me constantly. And, and I remember when I would pick up and for those that don't know Wolverine, he's a Marvel character. He's an X-Man. He's one of the more popular X-Men out there, but he, when it comes to representation, right? Him and me are on complete different opposite sides of the spectrum because he's a Canadian. I'm Puerto Rican. We're that's but where I but where I saw myself was that just rage, that anger, how he would just what rating are we shooting for on this podcast, Mikey? Before I I would say keep it so I would say keep it somewhere between PG thirteen and a light R rating. Okay. I was thinking I like NC seventeen R. We don't want <laughs> it, obviously, but <laughs> after, stay tuned for the after hours podcast. Yeah, right? I was just about to drop an F bomb, so I do it. There's a reason why. Oh yeah, that's fine. The do way it. I do it all the time. That, okay, cool. The way that Wolverine would fuck people up mm-hmm. in the comics. And that's what he was known for being the best at what he did, and that was fucking people up. And that good, bad, or indifferent was what young me got known for, was being the best at fucking people up. And that's who I saw myself in. Wolverine. Talking about representation. So it's, so again, it like now older, hell, hell yeah, I definitely, I want people of brown skin to be able to look at a tabletop RPG and be like, Oh, hey, that's awesome. I see another person of brown skin. When the fifth edition player's handbook for Dungeons and Dragons came out, and I think it's it's page two, there is a fighter of color, like prominent. And then there was a female fighter of color. Yo, I geeked out on that. I was like, that's awesome. That is awesome. I am saddened that it's 
I'm saddened that it's either gotten to a point that the, the people with the suit and ties are oh apparently the people of color they like these things so perhaps if we throw a picture of them in there they'll, they'll buy our product more there's you know? such an inauthent- inauthenticity to it yeah. like that the pessimist in me says that thinks that but then the optimist in me is no i think that these are now the writers of the old books there was their way of doing things now these new writers they're like this is the world that we live in so we need to bring more in and that i like to lean more towards my the optimistic side because one thing that rpg elite did bring up in that in that episode which will that you touched on is that there there is there is representation of people of color in the books in the artwork yeah. you just maybe you flipped past that page because that's not who you were looking for. Yeah. But does that mean does that mean that you are an insensitive prick that should have your head bashed in? I don't think so. At, because at that time, especially if you're a kid, I think of young Adolfo. I think of you, young Will. You were looking for that cool character that mm-hmm. you could see yourself in, right? Mm-hmm. And you found it on page whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I. I as you were talking, I was thinking, we're talking about representation, and you're talking about how, oh, we've got Hispanics now. Let's throw some little things in there that will draw them to us. And then I thought, I was like, if you look back, yes, my generation, we weren't perfect by any means. And But you look at things like G.I. Joe and representation, like across the board. Oh, yeah, right there. And yes... When you look back on it, and if you go deeper into it, which honestly and truly, I think most people tend to go too deep into things. Yes, were they perfect? No. Were they closer to stereotypes? In some instances, yes. In some instances, no. We had like Native American representation. We had most, we had Hispanic characters. We had Asian characters. We had, of course, we had the white character who was the leader, of course. But and that's what I sometimes think is where the imperfect part of it is like the white guy is always the leader. I think that's where we get into trouble. It's why can't whomever be the leader as opposed to, I don't know, was it Spirit was the Native American character, I yeah. believe? Yep. Yeah. Like, why yeah. can't he be the leader? Why does... So I think the, when it comes to representation sometimes, and this is not everyone, and this is probably going to be a very unpopular opinion, and I'm okay with that, is that I think we go searching for it. We go searching for something to bitch about. And that's why I think sometimes we look past the images of the POC folks in the books. Because we want to find something that we can rip on. Because either we're bored, whatever it is, it's that toxic behavior that needs to be dealt with. And you have those people who do it intentionally. They're trolls. They're trolling. Yep. They're going to they're gonna do it so they can get a rise out of people. They're like, oh, hey, if you look in this book, you'll see that there's no POC representation. And you're like, okay, that book was written back in the 1970s. What the hell are you looking at that book for? We don't even follow any of that anymore. <laughs> if you really look, 5e is so far removed from the original Dungeons & Dragons. There's, I mean, literally... I don't think you could find, other than the rules or suggestions, you're not going to find a lot of similarities between it. Yeah. But people search for it, and they go. And I think this that's where we get into trouble sometimes, is that there are people, now are there injustices in the world? Absolutely. 
Can we do better? Absolutely. But I think that we have the, those fringe groups. And I always say the minority always screws it up for the majority. There's always that minority of zealots, let's call them, that literally comb all of these old tomes looking for something. Mm-hmm. It could be something they completely askew. They go, oh, it says this, but what they really mean is this. And it's, that's not at all what that means. <laughs> and usually a lot of times it's people who have absolutely no background in the thing that they're basically commenting on. Yeah. It's when we, I'm in theater, I'm a professor of theater. Let me tell you, one of the biggest things is we get people who write editorials about a show that we're doing, and they've never seen the show. But because they heard something about the show, they, it makes them an expert on it. Yep. And I think we're getting a lot of that. And that is super toxic behavior. And that is behavior that we really need to, we need to nip that in the bud. Yeah. Is we need to get rid of those people. Because those are the people that are sitting in the background egging people on, feeding the fire. They have, and they truly have nothing invested in in the games. They're literally people just fanning the flames. Yep. And we can segue this into what we were talking about earlier about fandoms. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, this is actually a great segue into that conversation. So there, there are two recent history. There've been some big examples of toxic fandom and how much of a detriment they are. But just recently, just recently there, there've been two examples. So first and foremost is the Netflix show, the Witcher. So Henry Cavill, who played the Witcher for the first two, three seasons of the show. He is stepping down as the Witcher for reasons. And they have some other really good looking white dude that's coming in to, to be the Witcher. It's the Helmsworth brother, not Liam. It's Liam Hemsworth. He's going to be stepping in to, to, to be the Witcher. And the amount of toxicity that has been tossed at like Henry Cavill and the show and this because just because just because he Henry Cavill's stepped away from the show it's and just like you said well these are people that have absolutely no they did absolutely no background not watched the show not looked to see why exactly did he step away now mind you there there's a lot of unfortunately there hasn't been an actual press release as to why he stepped away but from what I've seen, from the research I've done on Henry Cavill's part, he, he's making this step away as amicable as possible. But the fandom is losing their shit. And yeah. they are sending him toxic messages. They're sending the showrunners toxic messages. And it, there has, Liam Hemsworth, they're already setting him up to fail and he hasn't even been... No, we, no. I'm sorry. I've watched how, uh, however many episodes of The Witcher there is on Netflix, okay? And yep. Henry Cavill, he's a good actor. He's a nice hunk of meat to look at, yep. okay? But, Indeed. right, but I'll tell you what. Other than his, those scenes where he was, like, buck naked, like, in a bathtub or in other states of undress, like, his acting... There were a few scenes where he did act that he did have some gravitas, but in my unprofessional opinion, the drama that was held up in that show wasn't Henry Cavill. It was the supporting cast because the Witcher, Henry Cavill's character 
there were a lot of episodes that if he appeared, it was only for a little bit. But then a lot of episodes focused on a lot of the other stuff that was going on in the world with the other witchers, with the the, the one sorceress and, and this, the mage school and the other young princess that's turning into a witcher. Dude, acting wise, to me, they're the ones that held that show. Yeah. The only thing that Henry Cavill was there to do was to like show off his awesomely chiseled pecs and to like grunt at the camera so that everyone would like have instant orgasm when he grunts at the camera you know what i mean yeah. I and it's oh, sorry. No, go ahead no no go ahead finish your statement and i like for everyone to be or not everyone but for the fandom for loud toxic fandom to be in such a uproar about this when it's y'all are getting another hunky white dude to play this freaking character this he the character is not given freaking Shakespearean no. monologues. Okay, no. he grunts at the camera every once in a while. He swings a sword, and then has pecs the size of fuck freaking Montana. Yeah, you know what I mean. I so I'm like, why? And, and you, then, oh, go ahead. I'm, yeah, I'm, I was going to just the, the thing about these fandoms that I have observed. Now, I'm a member of many fandoms, Star Trek, Doctor Who, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things I've noticed, especially about like things like The Witcher or Game of Thrones is another one, is that most of the people who are the most toxic are the ones that are not familiar with the true source material. I'm not saying all of them, because as a member of a fandom when Star Trek, and I'll touch on this real quick, when the original cat, when the next generation was about to come out, I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. How can you replace the original cast? I was one of them. And then I watched it, and I fell in love with it. I never once, because I never once did I ever say, I'm never going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. And you have those people that are like that. When Henry Cavill, because I was not familiar with this whole thing until we had talked previously. So I went and did my research, and I did some stuff. I did some looking up. And... It is these people are like, oh, I, I won't watch it anymore. It's all blah blah blah. And I'm like, you know, why? Liam Hemsworth is not a bad actor. Not truly. I've seen him do many things. He's not a bad actor. So what's everyone's issue? And like you said, you're right. Here's re- replacing one hunky white man with another hunky white man. So who cares? And you're right. The Witcher is not about him. <laughs> That's- yeah. It's about the culture of witchers. We're just we just seem to be focusing on that particular one. But then when we, now one of the great things I do is towards the end of the last season is the when they started to focus on a lot of the witcher. That's mm-hmm. when it got interesting to, for me when it came to witchers because I was like Henry Cavill, I like him. He's a great. I think he's a really good actor, and you know all that. But I was like, eh, okay, he's good to look at. He's nice to look at. And but. It was. I was actually more interested in the mage schools. I yeah, was like, really, I was all about really that. Interesting. Yeah, and, and like, then that whole me. political intrigue that was going on yeah. with the with that one mm-hmm. kingdom that fell and all that. Yep. Yeah, I was vested with that. And the so princess it's not about where, the Witcher. Yeah, yeah, I was vested with that. That was mm-hmm. that's what kept me watching. But, but yeah, these, these folks that are spewing this stuff, it's either they're not familiar with the source material or. They're so familiar with the source material that no matter what happens, they're going to bitch and moan about it. And I don't get that. I don't yeah. get that. 
like, all right, I am, I'm a comic book guy. I am a comic mm-hmm. book guy. And when the X-Men movie, the live action X-Men movies came out. Talking about the original three? Yeah. Yeah. With okay. Patrick Stewart. Patrick and, Stewart. Yeah. And, and Marsden and <laughs> Femke Jensen and, and all them. I, as a comic book guy, actually, I'll even go further. When the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man came out, because I'm Spider-Man comic right. book guy too. I, as a comic book fan and a, a, a lover of the actual printed book, I did not like what I saw on the screen. However, I was still able to go and watch the movie and be like, wow, that was a, that was an entertaining movie. That was an entertaining movie. And I actually got to see like Spider-Man, not 1970s Spider-Man, like a pretty cool, pretty cool flick. See him on the big screen. Right. See him on the big screen. A few years down the line, the X-Men came out again, like from the comic book source material. I was not happy because it was, it strayed far from the sports material. However, it was a, it was a cool action movie. The Mm -hmm. actors did a great job. And again, as a cop, when we, if we get into a comic book conversation, that that's where I can start like picking apart. But as a movie, as like a summer blockbuster movie, to go eat popcorn and watch and be entertained, I went, I ate popcorn, and I was entertained. Yep. Why am I going to waste all this energy to pump all this text to, to all this toxic yep. s- stuff out to well, make one, other? People- it's not going to do any different. It's not going to make any difference at all. Why do you even do it? Like Witcher, okay? If they start straying away from the source material, if... It's okay. But it's okay. (laughs) If they still... If it's still entertaining to watch, if you still sit there and binge the entire thing, if you watch, like, one of these new episodes with Liam Hemsworth, you watch 15 minutes of it, shut it off and be like, I can't. All right? You have a beef. I want to listen to you. But if you actually sit and binge the entire season... Yeah. And then want to start saying stuff. It's all well, you invested however yeah. many hours it was to watch all yep. those episodes. There must have been something. There must have been something that kept you going. So that's my. No, I agree with you. Yeah. You're going to find it everywhere. All of them have it. Lord of the Rings. There's a great YouTuber yep. and I can't remember his name, but he is like a Lord of the Rings, like expert. And he, Oh, and he, so many people attack him and he's just like, here, let me go back to the source material. And, and he's very much, you can like the movies and you can like the books. Yeah. You don't that, have to eat one or the other. <laughs> that That's very much along the lines of the African-American TikToker, who's a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And he knows his, sh- he knows his shit. Yeah. Like, Is that the one that, really- that, that dressed up in the... There's another. There's another one that like did the whole full on Gondor. Like, no, I think that's armor. a. That, I think that's a different. Um, it okay, might, he's I really know. great too. I like him too. Y- yeah, but I remember things. how when the Rings of Power came out and everyone was up in arms. And this is a great segment to our other toxic yeah. conversation. <laughs> oh um, my gosh, I'm so ready. <laughs> but the uh, when the Ring of Powers came out and everyone was hating on it, this African American TikToker came out and he was like. I enjoy it for what it is. And he admits, yeah, it's not, these aren't his exact words, but it's a fanfic of of Tolkien's work, but it's enjoyable. And I like the characters. And I just find it funny because all these individuals keep 
kept coming at him and like he would pull from like the Silmarillion and mm-hmm. the this book of the elder Blaylock this and that and the other and I'm just like really y'all can you not see that this individual like just enjoy can we not sit at the at this geek table and enjoy exactly. and like maybe have discourse if we have a disagreement about it like maybe have discourse do you have to just vent all this toxicity for yep. what so for which you. does which brings up to yeah. our next well, toxic fandom yeah. mike which is go. Well, let me touch on it before we get, because this will segue into it. But the reason people were so up in arms over the Rings of Power is because of the dwarves, because of the race. Yes. That was one of the big ones. They were like, what is going on? And it's like. I was so upset at people. I was like, I was too. I was like, what are you talking about, people? What the hell? First of all, these are fantasy characters. They're not real life. They didn't. They weren't alive so we're not changing their race because when the dwarves were on the world, they were all white. Yeah. What? <laughs> so with that kind of brings us in and we're going to go and we're going to touch on another one that is, I think, all three of us in in, in the same box here. But I'm going to let Mikey talk about it because Mikey is very passionate about this. So I'm gonna let him this one made no made absolutely no sense. Now, I don't want to excuse people's behavior of the previous topics, but like in a very and I'm going to preface saying a very tiny percentage. I was like, okay, I can see why people bitch about it, whatever. But this issue that I'm about to talk about, it made no freaking sense to me whatsoever. At the time of this recording in 2023, a couple months ago, it was announced because Disney is now doing live action versions of all of their classic animated movies. So far, we've gotten like The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast and Jungle Book and all that stuff. I've enjoyed some of them more than others, but the most recent live action one that's about to drop in theaters in 2023 is The Little Mermaid. So initially people were what fandoms do. Disney fandoms were starting to cast all of the parts and who would play them, blah, 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 as we tend to do, if especially in movies and TV shows. So then they announced the cast. And when I tell you that the internet and just people in general were all up in arms with the casting choice baffled my mind. So it was announced that and I'm going to stick up for her because I'm a huge fan of her work, but I also think she's a very lovely young lady. So the lead Ariel's going to be played by R&B singer Halle Bailey, who is one half of the sister duo, Chloe and Halle, who are both musicians Go stream Ungodly Hour is great R&B. But the point is that she's an African-American young woman and she is going to be playing the lead of Ariel. And I was excited. I was like, cool, we get a we get an African-American mermaid. It's for the kids. I was like, okay, cool. This is going to be great. And then the discourse online happened and people were all up in arms saying that, why she got to be black? This is like, what is up with this? That's not my Ariel. I'm like, why are we arguing about the color of a fish person, people? It is a fish person and so and I feel so bad for her because in interviews she's stated that she's always dreamed to she wanted to inspire little girls and she wanted to be a Disney princess so that way girls kids in general because listen I was a kid of the 90s Princess Jasmine was my role model love Princess Jasmine but 
again, strong, independent women. But the point being is that she wants to inspire kids and show them be like, hey, I want to be that representation on the screen. And people were not having it. And it saddened me and it made me mad. And then I was like, when this movie drops, I don't care about everything else. I'm going to go watch this movie because I need to support her and I need to support the message behind it. I was like, why you guys? And you would think that people would have learned from the last time this happened. But no, apparently not. Because a few years ago, the same thing happened when Disney decided to do Princess and the Frog and people were throwing a fit when they introduced that Tiana was going to be the princess and she happened to be African-American and was going to take place in New Orleans and all this stuff. I was. And then to add on to that, too, because Disney is planning to change Splash Mountain to fit the princess and the frog, which I'm like, okay, cool. Because listen, as much as I love the original Splash Mountain, you have to realize the movie that it was based on was very problematic because it was based off the movie Song of the South. And if you know nothing about that movie, I don't want to say go watch it because it's very problematic and very racial, but there, it is considered Disney's biggest mistake, especially just looking at the history of things. And Disney has done some problematic stuff. But Splash Mountain, as it is now, is originally based on a movie called Song of the South, and it was very racially insensitive. Look up pictures of the crow. That's all I'm going to say, because early Disney was very bad. Do we not remember the crows from Dumbo as well? <laughs> Anyways, but my point being is that and Honestly, this encompasses most people probably don't remember the crows. from Dumbo. Yeah. yeah, which is or sad. they choose. Yeah, I was just like, it was, they were very bad. And as a child, I knew I did not know better. And then as an adult, I would like to thank my 11th grade U.S. history teacher, because part of our unit during World War II, we had to watch all the racist car- cartoons that oh, were the, like making the, fun the, of the war. So like uh-huh. Donald Duck as a Nazi and uh-huh. the Asian stereotypes from Looney Tunes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was like, damn, that was dark. And then oh, we had to watch some it, of the... Yeah. Yeah, and then we had to also watch the older ones where, listen, blackface is very bad. But the oh, we had to watch uh, cartoons with the, with African Americans like the very base version of what people perceive them to be, like big lips and looking more in simian like features. I was like, oh yeah. It was, but back to the topic at hand. Yeah, I was so mad. I was like, can we not have anything nice? I was no. just like. It's a fish person. Fish person could be of any color for being realistic. And there you are. A fish person It's not a human being. It's not based on oh. an actual person. If you want to get mad at something, y'all should be mad at Disney for toning down the actual story of the Little Mermaid because it's based off a of Hans Christian Andersen original oh. story. And that shit was a lot darker. Yeah, it was a lot yeah. darker. There was no happy ending for half this crap. A lot of them. You can look at a lot of them. Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. All those... The, the original source material, most of it came from Grimm's. And if you people are not familiar with Grimm's fairy tales, go look them up yeah, and you will see so, how so much dark darker. they are. The original Grimm's fairy yes. tale. Because yes. Because over the years, the they, have, they, they have been desensitized. But yes, yes, the original Grimm's fairy tales, they were written as cautionary tales. Yeah. And they were, for the time, they were very they were they would be what we would consider r-rated stuff for for our time that was that time's r-rated material but it be the the reason was because it was they were written as cautionary tales and over the years 
as I'm going to use the word again, as they've been rolled into the cultural zeitgeist, they've loose. They've the Grimm's fairy tales have had their teeth and their venom pulled from them to make them more kid friendly at which then turns into like the Disney movies and not just the Disney movies, but like a, a lot of the animated movies and whatnot. Take another example of a non of a non Disney movie, Anastasia. Ooh, people were upset. You want, you want to talk about dark in real life. Anastasia wasn't even a real person. They, they found out that she was a lie. That individual was a lie. And then, like, the family got murdered behind, like, closed doors and yay Russia. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, but it, the, you wouldn't know that from watching the Anastasia movie. You think it's all songs and cute little white bats. But, yeah, and it's funny coming back to The Little Mermaid. To me, I'm not even thinking about who's playing, what race playing, what was. To me, like, the minute I heard that they were doing a little mermaid live action movie. I was like, who are they going to find that has the singing voice, the pipes to carry that movie? Cause if you're going to make a little mermaid movie and the music is going to be instrumental part, like in the animated version, then you need someone that's going to sing. And I think that the choice they made when I heard her sing, I was like, yes, that is a voice that a sea witch wants to steal. Right there, didn't even cross my mind that oh, it's a person of uh, a person of color or anything like that. It wasn't until all the toxicity started flying around. Oh my God, a little more black now. Blah, blah, blah. It's With that whole, I'm noticing a trend here too. Because listen, there's toxicity across all the fandoms in some shape or form. But at least in my little worlds that I've inhabited in, I've noticed that. A lot of the issues when it comes to either remaking or redoing or for lack of a better term, like the diversity and representation and things, a lot of the biggest voices that are complaining about it tend to be from genres that either include fairy tales and or fantasy kinds of things for whatever reason. And like I said, and at least this is my world, too, because this is a horrible example, but. And there was a little discourse, but I don't remember there being that big of much of a stink when people said, oh, we're going to make a Black Panther movie. I was just like, yo, that's sick. I didn't hear anybody complain about that. I didn't hear anybody complain about when they announced that they were going to do Shang-Chi. I was just like, so if I was just like, so we're not going to, I was like, all you haters, you're not as vocal now. Why is it because if you say something, you're about to get dragged across the internet. I'm going to, I would like to pose a question. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a popular question. All right. I know this, um, I know this come through the door, but I just, I have to bring this up for the culture. All right. Why is it okay and heralded and lauded to have the black Panther movie? But it's not okay and lauded to have an African American Little Mermaid. I'll tell you why. Go for it. Because of Disney. Disney created what we know as the Little Mermaid when they did the animated version. So all we know is that Ariel was a white mermaid. That is in our culture. That was our culture. So when they changed the race, it threw that culture into like chaos. Now you have those people who are like 
yes, indeed, bring it on. It's going to be amazing. And then you have the older folks, probably the ones mostly that are throwing the fit. And because they're like, that's not the Little Mermaid I grew up on. You're like, you're right. It's not. It's the Little Mermaid that this generation is going to grow up. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. It's both. It's both of them. The white version of Ariel, which I grew up on and love. And now we have an African-American Ariel that a whole new generation gets to watch and grow up on and see themselves in. What the hell's wrong with that? Nothing is wrong with that. It's okay to have two Ariels. It's okay. And that's the thing, is Disney created that culture for us when they made The Little Mermaid. That's what happened. That's why it's in our culture. That's why if you look back on things like Fantasia, you can see the stereotypes all over that thing. But we, we still like it. We still love it because of the music. It's classical music. How can classical music be bad? It's because Disney created that culture when they created the film. So that is in our culture now. So we think, because we are a, whether we want to admit it or not, we are a visual society. We are a visual species. We see something, we lock it in. That's how it's supposed to be. Like, and I'm giving an example in Fantasia, the little mushrooms mm-hmm. that are the Asian stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That it's locked in. Yeah. And suddenly that's it. So when we see anything outside of that, it makes no sense to us because it's been created. It's been put forth. It's been our culture is being developed by every television show, every movie that we watch. It's that's our culture. And I have to applaud those people and companies and production folks that are creating these alternative culture building blocks, like with the new Little Mermaid. They're creating that. Here's another way of looking at it. It doesn't have to be this way or that way. It can be both. It's okay. Same way with like we were talking about with The Witcher and The Lord of the Rings, Star Trek and Star Wars. The movies are just another way of looking at it. I've read all of the Lord of the Rings books. I've read The Hobbit. The movies are not the books. They're not meant to be the books. (laughs) That's the thing. And I think fandoms have... That's the issue with fandoms, is they think that the movie is going to be the book. It's not. It never will be. Harry Potter's. They're not the same. (laughs) The Harry Potter movies are not the books. I've read all the books, and I knew when they first announced they were making the very the Sorcerer's Stone. I was like, it's not going to be the book, but I'm going to go watch it, and I enjoyed it. But it wasn't the book, and that's okay because I knew it wasn't going to be the book. And so that's where the fandoms go wrong is they need to understand that in comic books as well with the comic book movies, they're not going to be the comics. Yep. yep. When the new Star Trek movies, the newer ones came out, yeah, I comics. was like, I knew these were not going to be like old school. They're not going to yeah. be. And they weren't. And I loved them. I really did. I loved, I applauded their whole idea of the whole alternate universe. I thought it was great. I was like, how are they going to do this? Boom, they did it. And I was like, wow, that's not, that's not my Star Trek, but I freaking love it. That's hell yeah. I am always going to be a Prime Trek timeline fan because that's just how I am. 
but I'm not gonna not watch things because you lose you miss out on so much. When, for instance, when Discovery, Star Trek Discovery came out, I was very much, ooh, I don't know about this. How can they have a sh- this, that, and the other? And I watched it, and I was like, holy hell, this is awesome. Yeah. Why does, one, why does it have to be one way? Why can't it not be some other way? Discovery is a com- completely different Star Trek. Completely different than anything else we've ever seen. Why can we not have that and have this too? Why can't they not live in the same universe together and we'd be like, yes, this is amazing. Strange New Worlds, Picard, all of them. And you have these people that are just hating on them. And it's like, why? That's not who we are. As a culture, as a sci-fi, geeky, nerd culture, we're not like that. Star Trek's not about that. Star Trek's about inclusion. The original series. Gene Roddenberry was making strides by putting a black woman in a command position on the bridge of the Enterprise with an Asian, a Russian, a Scotsman. Why can we not have all of it? Why does it have to be one or the other? That is my big question, and that's to everybody in the universe. Why does it have to be either this or that? Why can't it be both? Why can't we have both? The X-Men, the original X-Men movies, and then the newer X-Men movies. Why can't we have them both? Why do I have to like one or or the other? Why can't I just like them both? Because they're great. Are they the comics? No, they're not the comics. Or we're going to be the comics. So my big thing to people out there is get off of your fucking high horse and like it for what it is not for what your screwed up vision of it's supposed to be and that's all i'm gonna say on that it's back to you time check don't you all have a game we do we have another five minutes okay we have another five minutes i feel that this is a good place to to wrap up then yeah yeah that was very that was very that was a good look. I appreciate that that answer, Will. Thank you very much. I did want to leave this episode, though, again, bringing it back to the whole Black Panther and, and Shang-Chi. Lin-Mermaid, Lin-Mermaid 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 thing, right? Taking it a step further for the African-American culture, why is Black Panther more celebrated than a Black Little Mermaid? Not. With the, with the Hispanic community, right? Why why does it seem like everyone loses their collective shit when Pitbull comes out with some with a new album? But like <laughs> when a gorgeous piece of artwork re- representing brown people, right, in in Maya and the Three, which is on Netflix, which if you haven't had a chance to go to Please do. Album, <laughs> please do. Great storytelling. Great storytelling based in Mesoamerican culture and 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 mythology thank you honey mythology but why were the hispanics not like yo mira in netflix okay maya and the three right but no like it slaps baby it's yo what what so that's why i just that that is a thing I would like to mull over going for. That's a good. That's good. 
going into next. That's a good. Uh, that's a good question that we can put forth to our soon-to-be audience, yeah. and maybe they can leave comments in the comment section and ask us questions. Yeah, if you have questions, ask, and we'll try to answer them the best that we can. Yep. But I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. It's like, why can you laud one, but you can't the other? It's why is this one okay, but that one's... Right. But like, I'm very excited about the second Black Panther. And the only reason I'm excited about it is because we get Namor. Yeah. I'm like super hello and a quite dashing man playing him as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Listen, I was like, oh, I would find another sexy thing. brown boy in the movies. <laughs> and I'm super excited about that. Indeed. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, absolutely. If you guys all out there, you have questions, drop them in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. We'll answer them if we, as best we can with the knowledge that we have. We can only speak to you from personal experience and observation. We have some research going on behind the scenes as well, but we'll definitely answer anything that we can. And what we can't, we'll find the answer somewhere. Maybe we can find yeah. someone else who would know the answer. Also, to make sure you check out in our the description of the video, the link to the YouTube video. And also, I think I might drop the, I put a link in our little discussion there for to Grimm's Fairy Tales. Maybe we'll drop those in and let people check those out as well. Yeah, uh, and I think those are the unedited versions of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, they're public domain now. The original, yeah. the original versions. Yeah. yeah, they're public. Domain, so, so maybe people can check those out and see how different they are from mm-hmm. the Disney-fied versions of them. All right. Well, if we've got nothing else. I guess we will say our adieus. Thank you all for listening to the Divergence. I am Will, and I am joined by my two amazing co-hosts, Mikey and Adolfo who are amazing, and I love them both. But yeah, if you have any any POC questions, they can answer them for you. Because I'm a white man, and I'm not going to try to do that. <laughs> if you have some gay questions, I could totally answer those. But other than that, I kid, of course. But we're here to, we're here to help. We're here to talk. Yeah. And we're not going to mince words. So yeah. thank you all for listening, and we love you all. And I'm yep. going to stop and let them say goodbye. Until next time, podcast audience, thank you for tuning into another episode of The Divergence. And I hope you return for the next episode because it looks like we have our next topic at hand. And I'm excited to have these conversations with some like minded individuals. Yep. Hope you all enjoyed this. And as we say, nos vemos. Mwah. Ciao. Au revoir.